Hey, everybody, so excited we get to be together in lots of different ways and lots of different places. So locally, uh, people who are in our area, uh, even some on our campus, man, praise God, love you guys, and uh, love we get to be together. But I also love all of our Crossroads family all throughout the United States and throughout the world. So those who are watching in Ireland, hey, man, that's awesome. South Africa, man, I love that. And also Austria. So we love that we get to be a family, and I want to say something thing that I may, uh, uh, that I say a lot because I know it's true. Geography does not define family. Geography doesn't define family. So I love we get to be together and I love we get to share together and man, just praise God uh, that we get to connect together. And we're going to look for lots of ways to do that with you because you matter to God and you matter to us. So again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, by the way, I want to give you a heads up on a couple things coming up. Uh, July 29th, I'm going to be doing a very special state of the church uh, uh, talk with you or, or sermon. And, and I want to share uh, God's word with you, but I want to do it in a way that talks about the state of our church right now and how God's using us in these last days. So that's a Wednesday night, July 29th. I'll be teaching on the state of the church. Then we're going to follow that on Wednesday nights with a series I think is incredible, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So uh, I, I want you to be aware of that. That's coming. These are Wednesday nights. We also have an incredible series coming on Sunday called Get in the Game. I'll talk about a little bit in the message right now. But that How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit series goes hand in hand with what we're talking about now. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll find freedom. When you're filled with the Spirit, you'll find victory. And God wants you to have a power beyond yourself as he indwells and fills you with his Holy Spirit. And right now we're talking about how to break the bad, the bad habits that are harming and hurting you. And we talked about the idea that this is what we call a stronghold. Uh, very often what happens is it's not just a bad habit. It's something supernatural. It's a stronghold, something that has a strong hold on you. And so every time you try to get free, somehow it comes back. And it's always either under the surface or surfacing in ways that causes your life to not be the life you want it to be. It harms your relationships. It harms your potential. It keeps you from all the things God wants for you. So God really does have a way for you to demolish the stronghold. And we saw the very first week that we can learn that throughout the Bible, but especially by looking at a man named Gideon in the book of Judges. And God told him what to do. He said, number one, I want you to destroy or demolish the stronghold. So that's how it all begins. That means that, you know, if you have the pills, you flush the pills. If it's alcohol, you get all of it out of your house. Uh, if it's anger, you look for those triggers so anger doesn't rear up again. Uh, if it's overspending, <laughs> then maybe you got to cancel Amazon. Uh, you know, for some, it's overeating, so the cookies got to go. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get them out. And, uh, but you demolish the stronghold. You make a clean break. So if you haven't heard that, go to the first message. Then the next thing we do, God says, is you've got to build altars in its place. He told Gideon, I want you to destroy the stronghold and build an altar to me. And you're going to find there are three altars that help you find victory and keep strong so you don't give up or give in to that bad habit, that stronghold that's coming back in your life. And so you have to replace the stronghold with something. So you demolish it and you replace it with these three altars to God. Jesus warned us about something. Jesus said that if you get rid of it, but don't replace it, 
that you could end up in a worse state than at first. And I want to show you again what Jesus said about that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. He says, now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, when, when you're freed from whatever that is supernaturally and it goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it's unoccupied, swept, and put in order. In other words, you got rid of the stronghold, but you didn't put anything in its place. Then it says, then it, the spirit goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will be also with this evil generation. Jesus said, this is a reality. This is something that really happens. A lot of people start by trying to break the bad, but they don't replace it with the good. And when you don't do that, you end up in a worse state than before. Uh, an example of that would be the person who loses the first five or 10 pounds, but then gains 20. Uh, and, and we know that that's harmful to put your body on that yo-yo experience. And so God is saying to you, I don't want that to be the way you are. Then there's a third thing we do to get victory. That means we got to have a supportive group of people, which by the way, uh, is what we're going to talk about today will help you have a better support group, better relationships. So anyway, what we saw is you demolish the stronghold, you replace it with altars to God. The first is joy. We saw that last week. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy will keep you from giving up and giving in. Then we saw this. God wants you to be kind. You replace it with kindness. Uh, kindness is something we crave and something we need. Uh, there's two psychologists I was reading who did studies on kindness and Dr. Phillips and Dr. Taylor. And they said that we actually crave kindness, need kindness. But most people, this is interesting. Their research has found most people don't have it. Not in a pronounced way in their life. Uh, they also pointed out something else. They said in, in, in the idea of cultural settings, there's only one place that truly emphasizes kindness, and that's Christianity. None of the other religions do. Humanism doesn't. Psychology, by the way, very seldom does. And yet we crave it and we need it. You need kindness. Your body craves it, your mind craves it, your brain craves it, your spirit craves it, and, and we need to have it. Now, in Christianity, uh, we find it is, it is talked about over and over again. I, by the way, it's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which is why the How to Be Filled with the Spirit series goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. But, but what I want you to think about is this. In the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, there's a Hebrew word, hesed, Hesed has incredible depth, incredible breadth of meaning. And, and so it is translated different ways. But what we do find is this, is that it's translated sometimes kindness, other times loyalty. But what I want to show you is they go hand in hand. So when you're studying, and there's a reason I'm telling you this, so hang with me here. When you study that Hebrew word throughout the Old Testament, very often it's translated loyalty, but it also means kindness, and kindness means loyalty. And by the way, this is something really cool. I, I, when you are a, a hesed person and you're kind, you create loyalty, which is why that, that group, those relationships are more solid and better. And then when you show this kind of loyalty, there's always kindness involved. And so they, they go together. Now, one of the places we see that's in the book of Ruth. I love the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth shows how God, 
interacts in our life in ways sometimes we can't see, but he's there. And uh, there's a video that gives you an overview of Ruth that will help us understand better this idea of kindness. But what I want to tell you is in the video, they're not wrong. They start saying loyalty a lot. But, but what I want you to know is you should inter- interact with that in using the word kindness. So, so every time in this video, every time they say loyalty, think kindness, kindness, kindness. Watch this. The Book of Ruth. It's a brilliant work of theological art, and it invites us to reflect on the question of how God is involved in the day-to-day joys and hardships of our lives. There are three main characters in the book, Naomi the widow, Ruth the Moabite, and Boaz the Israelite farmer. And their story is told in four chapters that are beautifully designed. Let's just dive in and see how this all unfolds. Chapter 1 opens with this line, in the days when the judges ruled. And it reminds us of the very dark and difficult days from the book of Judges. And here we meet an Israelite family in Bethlehem, struggling to survive through a famine. And so in search of food, they move on to the land of Moab, Israel's ancient enemy. And there the father of the family dies, and the sons marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then the sons, they die too. And so they leave only Naomi and these new daughters-in-law. And so Naomi, she has no reason to stay anymore. And so she tells her new daughters-in-law that she's moving back home. And Naomi, she knows that the life of an unmarried foreign widow in Israel is going to be very hard. And so she compels the women to stay behind. Orpah agrees. But Ruth does not. She shows remarkable loyalty to Naomi. And she says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will become my people and your God will become my God. And so the two of them return to Israel together. And the chapter concludes with Naomi changing her name to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew. And she laments her tragic fate. Chapter 2 begins with Naomi and Ruth discussing where they're going to find food. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. And so Ruth goes out to look for food, and it just so happens that she ends up picking grain in the field of a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be Naomi's relative. We're told that Boaz is a man of noble character, and he notices Ruth. And so after finding out more about her story, he shows remarkable generosity to her. He makes these special provisions so that the immigrant Ruth can gather grain in his field. And in doing so, Boaz is actually obeying an explicit command of the Torah to show generosity to the immigrant and the poor. Boaz is so impressed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi, he prays for her that God will reward her for her boldness. So Ruth comes home that day, and Naomi finds out that she met Boaz, and she is thrilled. She says Boaz is their family redeemer. Now, This family redeemer thing, this was a cultural practice in Israel where if a man in the family died and he left behind a wife or children or land, it was the family redeemer's responsibility to marry that widow, to take up the land and protect that family. So Naomi, she begins to hope that perhaps there might still be a future for her family. Chapter 3 begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan to get Boaz to notice their situation. So Ruth is going to stop wearing clothes of a grieving widow, and she's going to show signs that she's available to be married. And so Ruth goes to meet Boaz on the farm that night. And as she approaches, Boaz wakes up, and he's totally startled. And Ruth makes her intentions very clear. She asks if Boaz will redeem Naomi's family and marry her. 
Boaz is once again amazed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi and her family, and he calls Ruth a woman of noble character. It's the same term used to describe the woman of Proverbs 31. So Boaz tells Ruth to wait until the next day, and he will redeem both Ruth and Naomi legally before the town elders. And so the chapter ends with Ruth returning to Naomi, and they marvel together at all of these recent events. In chapter 4, it all comes together. It turns out, at the last minute, Boaz discovers there is a family member who's closer to Naomi than he is, and he's actually eligible before him to redeem the family. But at the last second, this family member finds out that he's going to have to marry Ruth, the Moabite, and so he declines. But Boaz, remember, he knows Ruth's true character, and so he acquires the family property of Naomi, and he marries Ruth. And so just at the beginning, how Ruth was loyal to Naomi's family, so now Boaz is loyal to Naomi's family as well. The story concludes with a reversal of all of the tragedies from chapter 1. So the death of the husband and the sons is reversed as Ruth is married again and gives birth to a new son, granting joy to Naomi. I love that. I love the book of Ruth. I, I love the whole Bible, but the book of Ruth is really amazing and I encourage you to read it. But as you do, remember that word loyalty uh, is actually a Hebrew word, hesed, which actually also means kindness. And the two are linked together. Loyalty and kindness, kindness and loyalty. So what is the point? The point is, is that Ruth's life was defined by kindness. Boaz's life was defined by kindness. And because they were kind people, people who practice kindness, Man, God blessed them and their lives were uh, amazing. And Ruth was freed from something that was holding her down and holding her back. And see, that's what kindness does. Uh, there's a verse in there where Boaz is talking to Ruth. I want you to see it because it kind of brings out all this again. Uh, this is the he is Boaz. It says, so Boaz said to Ruth, by the way, may you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, the whole thing I wanted you to see there is that he said, you know, your last kindness, your last kindness is better than the first. And, and he said, that's something I want you to be aware of. Now, this is why God's blessing you. This is why God's blessing you. And, and so he says, you know what, that's going to make all the difference. And the next verse says this. It says, now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, a big part of that again was she was kind. She was loyal. And, and he was kind and he was loyal. And so what I think is so interesting is Ruth got Boaz because she was kind. Boaz got Ruth because he was kind. And are you ready? This is probably the coolest part of all. You and I get Jesus. Why? Because Boaz was kind to Ruth and Ruth was kind to Boaz and they were people of kindness and that led to us getting Jesus. Well, how do we get that? Well, they end up getting married and they have a son named Obed. And then that Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David, King David, by the way, who uh, slayed Goliath and became one of the greatest kings who ever lived. And if you follow the family line, it leads to Jesus. God God looked at Ruth and Boaz and said, you're going to be the great, great, great grandparents of the Messiah. And their kindness created a ripple effect that goes for thousands of years that actually changed my life and hopefully will change yours because you come to know Jesus 
who, by the way, also was very, very kind. So kindness, kindness is something that draws people to you. Kindness is something that makes people want to be around you. And remember, uh, the three ways we break a stronghold is one, demolish it, two, replace with joy, kindness, and then we'll get the third one next week. And then you have to have a group of people who will support you. And how do you end up with that kind of healthy relationship or relationships is, you, is when you're kind. When you're kind. And so kindness has this incredible ability to do things to help you. And so here's some things you need to know about kindness and why it helps you break a bad habit. Number one, uh, kindness is a predictor of health. Uh, The studies that are out show us this. The Bible tells us we need to be kind, but there's studies out research that's been done that shows that kindness is a predictor of health. It's a predictor of a way a person will have good mental health and good physical health. Good mental health and good physical health. Research shows you'll feel better, you'll feel stronger, both physically and mentally, when you practice acts of kindness. I want to say that again. Research has shown that you will feel better and you will feel stronger, both physically and mentally, when you practice acts of kindness. So kindness is a powerful tool that that not only makes your physical health better, but it gives you a mental resolve and strength so you don't give in to those things that can hurt you. Uh, We talked before, there are four triggers uh, that can actually cause you to give in to the bad habit. And so you want to watch for those in your life uh, to make sure that they don't have the ability to trigger you into unhel- a healthy behavior. Uh, interestingly, kindness actually does away with three of the four and maybe even four of the four. But I want to show you the triggers again. Uh, the triggers are if you're hungry, you may give in. If you're angry, you may give in. If you're lonely, you may give in. And if you're tired, you may give in. By the way, there's one more board down here, uh, which we got into before. But I want you to think about this. When I'm kind, I'm not going to be angry. And if I have kindness so indwelt in who I am, anger can't be there. Because my first reaction, not my last reaction, is to be kind. Uh, Lonely. Uh, When you're kind, people are drawn to you and you have better relationships with them. So you're not going to be lonely. And by the way, when you're kind, it's going to give you vitality. So three of these four for sure will be done away when you're kind. Uh, But what do I mean by vitality? When you're intentionally kind, you have something to look forward to and it keeps your spirits up and your energy up. And then research is shown, not just my opinion, research is shown when you actually enact that kindness, it does, it invigorates you. It gives you vitality. It gives you energy. And so what we find is when you're kind and you put an altar of kindness in place of that stronghold, you're not as likely to give in because three of the four triggers, and and I, I actually could get into that one, but I'm not, are done away with. See, Ruth wanted to be around Boaz. Why? Because Boaz was kind. Boaz wanted to be around Ruth because Ruth was kind. And by the way, that changed Naomi's life who had named herself Mara, meaning bitter. And then it came back again because of all the kindness that was there and the bitterness was driven away. So when you're kind, are you ready for this? Uh, God says that you're going to have better, better health. Now, the second thing is this. Kindness is a predictor of health. Kindness makes people want to be around you. Remember when we said that it draws people to you. It, It creates a bond with people when you're kind. 
Uh, in Proverbs 19.22, it says this, what is desirable in a man is his kindness, and it is better to be a poor man than a liar. Now, let's start this part right here. What is desirable in a man? That people desire to be around you. You're a desirable person or a desirable man or a desirable woman when you're kind. It says that's what makes people want to be with you and be around you. And again, Ruth attracted Boaz because she was kind. Boaz attracted Ruth because he was kind. And and you know what? When you're kind, you're ready for this. Your kids are going to want to be around you. Uh, When you're kind, your spouse is going to love being with you. Uh, When you're kind, the people you work with are going to seek you out. Uh, When you're kind, your friendships will be richer and deeper. And, and, and you'll find you'll get so much more out of every kind of relationship. By the way, when you're kind, your pets are going to want to be around you. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10 that says this. It says, the godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. See, a godly person cares for his kind to his animals, and they want to be around you. Uh, and, and so what you need to know is that even in this season of the coronavirus, when you're locked in a house, people are going to be glad they're locked in with you if you're kind. And so you'll have a better support group. You'll have a better relationships, which is one of the best things to protect you from giving up or giving in to that bad habit. And uh, so what the Bible's saying is clear. Tense and negative people don't create that. When you're tense, when you're negative, when you're a complainer, people want to be as far away from you as you can. You repel people, you don't attract people. But get ready for this. When you're kind, you attract people. Um, uh, years ago when I was doing next gen ministry, Pam and I were doing that at a church called not Avenue Christian church. Um, we, we saw God bring a revival to our college age ministry. And we had two young sons back then. And those, the college kids and even the high school kids would love on our young sons, which was so good. But I, I remember that I got home one day and I said to Pam, I said, where's rich. And Pam said, well, uh, John and Dave stopped by two college guys and they asked if they could take rich out. And I thought, yeah. And so we, we loved the way they loved on him. So when the guys come back, I'm like, guys, thanks for giving Pam a break. And they start laughing and uh, they go, okay, we're going to get honest with you. Uh, we took Rich to the mall. He was a little baby. We took Rich to the mall so we could meet girls. <laughs> By the way, now think about this. These two big college guys are pushing a baby and all these girls would go, oh, that is so cute. That is so neat. He's so cute. And they would meet all these girls all the time. You know, they're showing, uh, appearing to show kindness and they really were being kind, attracted all these girls, which that's super smart. That is, that's called wisdom. That's called, yeah. And by the way, if you read the story of Ruth and Boaz, she actually works to attract him romantically. Uh, we could probably do a whole singles message. All you single people out there, I want you to lean in on that. Kindness is going to be a, a game changer for you in, in, in attracting people. And uh, those, so those two guys were smart. Uh, but I want you to say this. The Bible says when you're kind, you're desirable. When you're kind, you're desirable. And uh, it's, it's a game changer in your life. So number one, uh, kindness is a predictor of health. Number two, kindness makes people want to be around you. Number three, kindness will bring you favor and a good reputation. Favor from God, favor from people. What is that idea? Favor, you'll be their favorite. 
You'll be one of God's favorites. You'll be other people's favorite. And you'll have a good reputation. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 3 says this. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute or a good reputation in the sight of God and man. God's going to look and say, I want to bless you. By the way, if you didn't know that, God wants to be so involved in your life, interactive in your life. And when you're a kind person, God wants to pour favor and blessing upon you. And uh, I want you to know that it's true. It doesn't mean you always have an easy life. It means you always have God. So you always have a better life. You have God's strength. By the way, when you open up to the Lord, the Bible says, and you commit your life to Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. And, you, and by the way, and then there can be a filling of the Spirit that, that creates a, a change in your life. Like I said, I can't wait to teach you about that. But, but God's favor and the favor of others are going to be upon a person who consistently practices kindness. And that favor, in big part, is going to keep you from giving up or giving in to that stronghold because you're filling yourself with something better. You're replacing it with something better. Sadly, Matter of fact, really sadly, you guys, I think our society is getting meaner and more cruel. Um, we had a man in our church, a, an older man, go to get food and someone pushed him to the ground. Uh, we had one of our, our older college-age single girls uh, put a post on social media and uh, people took it out of context and started attacking her, attacking her, and attacking her. I mean, it's filled it. I'm going to get sad about this. Some of those people go to crossroads. And she reached out and said, well, can we at least have a cup of coffee and talk? And some said, no. That's not kind. That's called sin. Mean, negative, cruelness. Sin. We can't be that way. You know what Jesus said? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth tweets. <laughs> or Instagrams or Facebooks. Do you know what? Here's the thing. The Bible's very clear. I can know what's in your heart. and You can know what's in my heart. By the way, if you say no one can know your heart, that's not true. God not only knows your heart. You ready? The Bible teaches us there's two ways I can know what's in your heart and they're foolproof. And one of those two is what comes out of your mouth, the words that you speak in and includes the words that you write. Uh, so let me just get it out there. Uh, there are some people who need to actually repent. Uh, uh, if you're not a Christian, the Bible calls for you to repent, what means you can change. But there's some who are Christians and what you're writing, what you're saying, how you're speaking, how you're acting, it's not kind. It's not kind. Bind truth and kindness around your neck. Write it on the tablet of your heart. And uh, you know what? We need more kindness. By the way, all you who are on the chat right now, I think you should put it in the chat. We need more kindness. We need more kindness. This is what we need. We need more kindness kindness. That's what God wants for us to have. Uh, we did a unity march here at our church a while back, and it was organized by Dr. Rodney Kyle, uh, who is uh, a, a black pastor in our area, incredible man of God. Uh, but what started it, and what became very remarkable, we sat around as a team, 
And they said, you know what really hit me that day? Is we had different speakers speak. And Kenny, who was actually the one who thought about doing this, Kenny stood up with Dr. Kyles. Kenny, um, he's not a racist or a, a skinhead, but I'd say this, he could look like one. Uh, he, he's actually a really kind guy, but he's a big, big guy, tattoos, you know, kind of shaved head. And uh, he was at a place where um, people were protesting and he saw it and they started attacking him. And Dr. Kyle's jumped in and we showed kindness to him. And it was so touching, so moving that Kenny said, this is what we need more of. Uh, The Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, overcome evil with good. And Dr. Kyle's, he he made sure it was good, really, really good. And that day they stood together as brothers in the Lord. They stood together in unity. And they called for the rest of us to say, it's time we come together in unity. And we did. We did. It was moving. Kindness was clear kindness and truth. You can be truthful and kind, and you can be kind and truthful. Uh, But you know what? Too many people today, they've forgotten that, and they're not going to have God's favor on them. And so we need to be aware of that. Uh, I uh, read one time that the the president of Yale uh, welcomed the new president of Ohio State to go to lunch together to talk about how you lead a university. And the president of Yale said this to the new president of Ohio State. He said, always be kind to your A and B students. Someday one of them will return to your campus as a good professor. And also be kind to your C students. Someday one of them will return and build you a $50 million science laboratory. (laughs) Okay. Anybody else with me here? Say, yay, C students. You know, I I, I just thought, I don't know. But anyway, I I thought that was an interesting thing. Be kind, be kind, be kind. When you're a person who's kind, you become the boss everyone wants. When you're a person who's kind, you become the friend everybody's glad to have. When you're a person who's kind, you're the parent that every child brags about. Kindness. Kindness. So how kind are you to your friends? How kind are you to coworkers? How kind are you to your spouse? How kind are you to your children? How kind are you to your family? How kind are you? Just think about the people in your life and, and not just how kind are you, maybe even add it, how intentionally kind are you? Because when you are, it changes everything for you and and it creates way better relationships. So kindness makes other people want to be around you. And it means that you're going to have healthy, healthy relationships. And that's what we want. That's what we need. Um, my grandchildren got to visit us for five weeks, which we loved. And our, my grandchildren are really, really good friends with uh, one of our pastors on staff, Talia Murray, her kids, uh, Ricky and Talia. I'm actually their godfather, uh, uh, which I think is so cool. I, I'm a godfather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we won't get on that. But, but here's the thing. Uh, Noah and Liam uh, uh, are who are, are, you know, are really, really good friends. And they're all playing hide and seek. And Noah and Liam decide to kind of sneak in our house in a different way, and they break one of my screen doors. And so what happens is they they move it, they jam it, they break it. And uh, when I get home, Pam says, the screen door is broken. And I walk back there, and I'll be honest, I'm going to get too transparent here. My first reaction is to blow up. Uh, My first reaction is to get mad. Now i got to pay for the screen door. And I didn't. I didn't. 
And I looked at the guys and I said, did you break my screen door? And they're like, yeah. And I said, that's okay. We can replace it. No, don't worry about it. Have a great day, guys. They, they didn't do it on purpose. I could have gotten mad and ruined the day and ruined a big part of my time with my grandchildren and my godchildren. Or I could have been kind. Let it go. And you know what? It's just a screen door. But they matter way too much. And I, I, I believe this. I believe those kids want to be around me. Actually, I know they do. And one reason they want to be around me is because I'm kind. I'm kind to them because I love them. I'm kind to them because I want to intentionally do things to have them know how much they matter and, and how much they have value. And by the way, Jesus is kind to you and to me too. So kind. That you're ready for this when you blow it. It's not his desire to condemn you. It's his desire to comfort you and to help you come back. That's kind. That's kind. And so what we need to understand is that uh, that is a huge part of why I want to do this series. Uh, I've been interacting with people who, um, their, their go-to is not kindness. And I, I realized this, if they could get hooked on kindness, if they could become addicted to kindness, that their life would be better, their relationships would be better. I'm going to say this, that probably about 90% of the problems they're dealing with would actually be solved if they would actually be kind, if they would actually define themselves that way. And I've sat with some of those people and I, I talk about that and a few of them have gotten really honest with me and say, I don't even like the person I am. Not only does my family not like me, my spouse doesn't like me, I don't like me. And, and it's like, you know what? You, you crave kindness and you don't even know it. Your body does, your mind does, your spirit does. Craves to be kind. And what you need is a transformation from Jesus. Because I'm watching people be so unhappy with their lives. I'm watching them not be able to break and be free of the stronghold. And, and the reason is, is they're missing kindness. Uh, I talked about Dr. Phillips and Dr. Taylor, uh, but they did extensive research on kindness, even wrote a whole book about it. And they found that deep down inside, every person does crave kindness, not only to give it, but to receive it. Uh, we need to, to give it and we need to receive it. And they said this, yet most people, the vast majority of people aren't really truly kind, at least consistently. And so that hurts them and harms them both mentally and physically. Guys, I told you that before, it's a predictor. But Dr. Phillips and Dr. Taylor said that that really is now something we can verify through research. Uh, but then they also found this, people can change. The Bible teaches we can change, but their research found people can change. And when you do, your focus will be different. Uh, and when you do, uh, you'll be looking for ways to show kindness and you're going to actually fuel something else, joy, and then the joy of the Lord, your strength. The Bible says you can be kind, but you have to put it on. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, which means you can choose it. Just like I could choose to put on this shirt, or I could put on another shirt, you could choose to put on kindness, but also put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another, being kind and bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. 
So the Bible teaches, the research shows, you could choose to be kind. You could choose to have that. It's who you are and what you do and how you live. And God wants it for you. Uh, Martin Zilligman uh, did a study, and I think this is a very interesting study, with university students. And he took uh, two different, uh, he, took, he put them in two different control groups. And one group was told this, uh, for the next month, we want you to journal that you're doing it, document you're doing it, but go out and have as much fun as you can. We want to focus on fun for one month. He took the other control group and he said, I want you to do acts of kindness. And I want you to write them down. And, and so what happened is at the end of the month, uh, they had a, a, a battery of tests they gave them, but one was based on what's called the happiness index. And I probably isn't going to surprise you. The group that was kind, intentionally kind, was far happier than the group who focused on fun. Matter of fact, a lot of the people who focused on fun, their happiness went down from when they started, not up. But the ones who focused on kindness, they, they went up. Another study was done in Japan and they found a marked difference in happiness level of people who are kind. Uh, An incredible difference. Uh, Then in 2011, this is something I want to get to. There was a study done on on a psychological tool that we use. It's called loving kindness meditation. Now let me tell you what that is. Loving-kindness meditation, which, by the way, sounds so biblical, and I I think it really does have biblical ties, that's where you take time every day to sit and you meditate on times that people have been kind to you and how that felt. Now, it's got to catch what I said. So I sit, I relax, and I think about a moment someone was really kind to me, and I, 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 I remember and even just let the feeling flow. Then I also think about times that I've been kind to people and how it felt. It's, it's really a big key. You got you to sit and relax and imagine back to that moment, take that memory, and then also let the feelings come from it. And uh, uh, they found that this has an incredible game-changing difference in people's lives when they focus on times they've been kind, times others have been kind to them. And by the way, as a Christian, times God is kind to you and, and you let those feelings come. Uh, I want to let, hear, let you hear part of the study it says it was concluded that when combined with empirically supported treatments such as cognitive behavioral therapy, and if that's losing it, in other words, if, if, if when this was combined with counseling is what they're saying, loving kindness meditation may provide potentially useful strategies for targeting a variety of different psychological problems that include the inter, in, interpersonal processes such as depression social anxiety, marital conflict, anger, and coping with the strains of long-term caregiving. Loving kindness meditation. Really thinking about times that you were kind and people were kind to you and and how God is kind to you is is actually a way to deal with depression, anger, uh, interpersonal relationships, anxiety, it just makes a difference. It makes it, kindness has that kind of power. B.L. Fredrickson in 2008 said when people focus on kindness and practice loving kindness meditation, they build resources that help in many areas of their lives, including depression. Uh, and then he says, this turns into a pro- positive intervention strategy that will be a resource to break bad and harmful habits. When he, when he wrote that, I was like, hey, that's our series. 
Breaking Bad. Here's what's so interesting. When I was sitting with some of the people and I, I just felt the Holy Spirit moving in my heart, they could just get hooked on kindness and not be so angry, not be so tense, not, not be so mean. If they could just be kind and, 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 and let them, Holy Spirit work so they're kind, it would change their lives and they would get hooked on the feelings. Then I found this study by Fredrickson and, 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 and all the other psychologists and they said, this really is one of the keys to breaking bad habits, to being able to do away. They didn't use the word stronghold, but it's, it's what the Bible's talking about, a stronghold. Kindness really does make a difference. You and I, we can have a, a better life, a more godly life with better relationships, with more love, with lots more joy if we just intentionally become kind and we never let it leave us. We never let it leave us. So I want to get real practical now. How can you build an altar of kindness in your life? What are some things you can choose to do? So let me give you some things. Number one, be intentionally kind every day. I want you to please, please don't tune me out. Tune in, grab hold of this. You decide today you're going to be kind. Tomorrow you get up and you pray and you say, God, I want to be kind. And I'm going to be intentionally kind every day to every person in my life I get to meet. It could be in little ways or big ways, but the key is you do that. So you need to be intentionally, intentionally kind. That's what God wants for you to do. Uh, the next thing is this, once a week, write down and meditate on the kind things you did or that were done to you. This is what's called loving kindness meditation. But, but every day choose to be kind once a week. Choose a day. Maybe it's Friday. Maybe it's Thursday. Uh, maybe it's Sunday. Uh, you, you, you sit down and you just take some breaths and you write down. It's important you write it down and meditate on the kind things that were, you did or that were done to you. And just take that in. By the way, it'll be so calming. It'll create peace. It'll fuel joy. And just make sure you do that. Then the third thing I want you to do is this. Read Psalm 136 for one week, every day for one week, and then think on God's loving kindness towards you. Uh, Psalm 136 talks about God's loving kindness and thinking on that. Let me show you. It says this, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of God's for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his loving kindness is everlasting. Notice how that's repeated. To him alone who does great wonders for his loving kindness is everlasting. And so the psalmist said, I just want to remind myself over and over and over, God's loving kindness is everlasting. And, and I, want to, I want to live in that. I want to be in that. And so what you do every day is you read that psalm and you think about ways that God loves you, ways that God's kind to you how much you matter to him and how he wants to call you now to go and, and create a movement of kindness in all the people in your world. Remember that kindness blesses you. Ruth got Boaz because she was kind. Boaz got Ruth because he was kind. You and I got Jesus because they were kind. And Jesus came to be kind. And that kindness will change you. That kindness will transform you. Romans 2 verse 4 says this, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness, Jesus' kindness, and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Don't take it lightly. Understand the ramifications of it, that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. You know what? I found that to be so true. 
I found that, you know what, without a doubt, when people understand not the judgment of God, even though it's there, but the kindness of God, real change occurs. Some of you right now need to know that God is so for you. God cares about you so much. God wants to help you. God wants to guide you. God wants you to fulfill the incredible potential he put within you. And you need to get free from something. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's your family history. It could be a family curse that you're living out and you don't like. Maybe it's an attitude right now and you're like, how do I change? Well, the kindness of God will lead to repentance or change. Maybe it's some sin issue that you're just like, I can't get over it. The answer is open your life and open your heart to Jesus. Commit your life, commit your heart to Jesus. And in a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer, and I'd love for you to pray it with me where you say yes to him. And so let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to pray the prayer with me. You can pray it for the first time to commit your life to Christ, or you can pray it to recommit your life to Christ. But Jesus loves you and cares about you and wants you. If you want that kindness, you go to him so he'll fill you with the Spirit, and then kindness will begin to come, and he'll, he'll empower you to have more kindness, and he'll help you to have more freedom. And then I'm going to ask you to do this because the Bible says the first two steps on beginning a journey with him and living a life with him, the first step is for you to commit your life to him through prayer. The second step is for you to text AMEN to 69922. Now get your phone or get an iPad or, or, or any way you can text. But here's the thing. Jesus actually taught us that it starts by you calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. You call on him to come and make a difference in your life. And, and then the second is, he said, I want you to confess that you did that or I want you to make it known. Something happens when you do that. Uh, so this is a way you can do that. This is a way you can make it real. Amen means the truth. Amen means for real. And so we're gonna ask you to text amen to us. And then when you do, we're gonna text you back and we're gonna keep your information private, by the way, between us and you. And we wanna interact with you because we care about you. And we wanna give you some gifts that will help you grow in your walk with Christ. We wanna help you, Noah, some things you could do beyond this first two steps to continue seeing how real and how deep this could be. And it all happens and works when you start by praying and saying to the Lord, I mean it. I want you. I want your love. And then by making it known by texting to us. It might not seem that big a deal, but it is. This is where change can happen. This is where a revolution can occur. This is where your life can get better. So no matter where you are right now, I'm going to ask you, do you want his love? Do you want the life he has for you? Do you want to be forgiven of all your sins? Do you want to be cleansed of shame? Do you want to see guilt go away? And do you want to be new, alive? And do you want to have all the power he has for you and all the love? God's kind. Let his kindness, let his love come and change you. Right now, I'm going to do this. I want to pray for you to say yes to him. I want to ask all of you who are watching that are Christians, pray for people to say yes. We don't even know where they are. They could be anywhere in the world, but let's pray and ask God to move. So right now, Father, I pray that you would be with anybody who needs to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. I pray right now they would know how much you love them, that you would stir in their heart. And I think there's someone right now who is. They're sitting where they're sitting. They can feel you. 
and, and they realize something's different, something's about to change. And Lord, you love them. Oh, you love them. So I pray they're gonna, they're gonna pray this prayer. They're gonna do it. I know that if they will, there's something great coming their way soon. So I pray they're gonna open their heart to you. Right now, I'm gonna lead that prayer and I'd love for you to pray it with me. No matter where you are, just pray it with me. And by the way, you could pray it not just with me. You could pray it with a, uh, somebody you're with right now and say, let's do it together. But pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. So I pray that you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me. Say, I pray you'll free me from anything that would hold me back or hold me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you can say, say it. I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. Just say it. I say yes. I say yes. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, and here's the word, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God, I'm so excited for you. And if you prayed that prayer, make sure you text amen to 69922 because we care about you. We want to lift you up. We're for you. God's for you. And we want to see this change occur.